Hey guys, welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. As a longtime fashion blogger, I've loved connecting with my audience over the years on all things life, work, love, and everything in between. And I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie, where I share personal life updates, recent recs and reviews, and discuss relevant, interesting topics for women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. I am so glad you're here. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am sitting here on the couch with a Waterloo still water. This is not sponsored by the way, but I just, before I forget, want to tell you about it. So as you all know, if you've been following me on Instagram, I have always been a big fan of Waterloo, LaCroix, really any flavored sparkling beverage, any sparkling water. But over the last year or so, I've noticed that whenever I drink them, I get heartburn and it's just, I, I've really stopped drinking sparkling beverages. Now I still have like a tequila soda or whatever when I'm at a bar, but when I'm just drinking fluid throughout the day, I try to keep it with still items. And I saw that Waterloo now has a still water option and I love it. I've recommended it to a few friends and I've gotten mixed reviews, but I think it tastes like a little more subdued version of a Capri Sun. And the flavor I got is dragon fruit punch, but I love that it's still because again, the carbonation from the sparkling options has been giving me heartburn and I'm just like sick of dealing with that. So the Waterloo still water option is great. There's also another flavor that's like watermelon, lime, mint, or something like that. That's good. The flavor isn't too strong. Just consider it like a regular Waterloo just without the sparkling element. So very light on flavor, but still a little bit of flavor, but I'm really enjoying them. It's a nice option. That's not just water. And yeah, I just wanted to share that right up top. Now let's get into what I did this past week. So on Friday, I drove myself and my friend Natalie down to Austin. We stayed at the Commodore Perry all weekend to celebrate her birthday. We had planned this trip last year, but didn't end up figuring out a date last year that worked. So we planned it for this year. So I guess we celebrated both her birthday last year and this year, but it was so much fun. The Commodore Perry is a magnificent property in Austin. It's sort of in a weird area. It's like right off of 35, uh, kind of in in the East Austin area, kind of by campus. But once you drive onto the property, you don't feel like you're in Austin anymore. I don't even know where you would think you are. The pool makes me think of Palm Springs, but all of the foliage kind of makes you feel like you're in Italy or France. Just these beautiful trees. I don't know what the trees are, but they're these huge leaves that are soft. Anyway, I want to get some of those trees, whatever those are, because they are incredible. But you drive onto the property and you feel automatically transported to somewhere else entirely. When we got there, our rooms were not ready yet, but it was like, I don't know, we got there around lunchtime. So that kind of makes sense. But we dropped our bags off, changed into our bathing suits, and then made a mad dash to the pool and set up shop there for the afternoon because that was our whole plan. Friday and Saturday, we just wanted to lay by the pool and enjoy. And so we definitely did that. The pool is beautiful, but it is kind of small. I don't have many complaints about the Commodore Perry. Like the hotel is beautiful. The food is great. The service outstanding, but the pool is very small. And they also have this private club that you can join if you're in Austin to use the pool. And so the fact that the pool is already small and it's also for hotel guests and club members makes it kind of impossible to get a seat unless you get there early. On Friday, we didn't have trouble because it was a Friday. I imagine most club members wouldn't be able to come in the middle of the day on a Friday. And so we didn't have trouble finding a seat then, but Saturday morning we went on a walk Uh, on Town Lake and then came back to go to the pool at 11. Every seat was taken. So I sat at like one of the dining tables just waiting for a seat to become available. Luckily it did after about 45 minutes. But I just think, you know, if the pool is going to be that small, I feel like they should have waited until they like open their second pool. Apparently they're working on a second pool for those club members. I feel like they should have waited to launch the club when they had a second pool because 
right now it's first come first serve. And so what if all the hotel guests get there, they sleep in, in the beautiful hotel rooms and then can't find a seat at the pool. That just seems a little misguided to me. So not sure when that second pool is going to open. I know they're working on that, but, um, for now, if you are going to stay there and you want pool time, plan to get up early and go straight to the pool. I do want to share one more complaint I had before I move on. At the pool, they have a drink menu and one of the drinks is a painkiller, which is like, I feel like that's what you get when you go to the Bahamas. But underneath it, it says basically a skinny version of a pina colada. And because it said pina colada, I was like kind of expecting it to be frozen. And I feel like sometimes when you get a painkiller, they're frozen. Not always. I was expecting it to be frozen. So when it was brought out, there were ice chunks in it. It was not frozen. And I asked if they had a blender and they simply said, no, we don't have a blender. They have a bunch of frozen beverages. Like they have frosé. They have two different types of margaritas that are frozen, but they don't have a blender. They have a full bar and it's a hotel and they don't have a blender. I found that mind boggling. I feel like when you're spending as much as we spent on these hotel rooms, You should be able to order a drink and kind of get whatever you want. That's sort of the vibe at a luxury hotel, no? (laughs) I don't know. I just find that kind of crazy, especially in a place as hot as Austin, Texas in the summer, and that has a pool where they're serving food and drinks that they couldn't make you. They could make smoothies, though. It just it didn't make any sense. So they wouldn't they actually have a blender but I guess they didn't, they don't use that to create cocktails, but they'll make smoothies. I don't know. It was insane. So if they're an, Oh, this is the third thing about the pool. All of my complaints have to do with the pool. Pretty much. They don't have a a restroom down there. So you have to walk into the hotel, like in the beautiful mansion, walk into the mansion to use the bath, the single bathroom in there. So my complaints are (laughs) open your second pool and then have your club guests go to that one. So that the hotel guests are not competing for chairs, get a blender and let the bar use it for cocktails so people can order what they want and have a bathroom so that people don't have to walk like half a mile to go to the bathroom or walk inside the hotel. Like there should be some sort of shack that has a bathroom right next to the pool. That's what I believe anyway. So those are my thoughts. Now back to the rest of my hotel review. Our rooms were both lovely. My room was big. It was very quiet. Like, I don't feel like I heard a peep from any other room on my floor the entire stay. And I'm pretty sure the hotel was booked. So (laughs) that was really nice. The walls were obviously very thick. The mini bar was awesome. I didn't actually get into it, but there was Lalo tequila. They had a bunch of really good stuff. They actually had a bar cart and a mini bar. The snacks were all local, which I thought was really cool. Although I have to say none of them actually sounded that appetizing to me, (laughs) but the, my very favorite part of the hotel actually was the breakfast. Uh, I got room service both mornings and some of the best breakfast I've had just about anywhere. Something that I discovered Friday night before we went to dinner, we were looking at the dinner menu at Ludie's, which is the restaurant on the property. The girl, a girl I went to high school with is the pastry chef there. Her husband is the head chef in the restaurant. She's the pastry chef and she came up with the estate bread and she does all of the, or overseas. I don't know if she personally does every single baked item, but I would imagine her hands are on a lot of those baked pastries and things in the kitchen. And so that was really cool to discover that. But um, yeah, the breakfast was incredible. There was a biscuit that came with my breakfast that I ordered the first day. It was probably the best biscuit I've ever eaten. It was kind of crunchy on the outside. It had sea salt flaked on top. It There was like a honey glaze on it. And then the inside was super soft. It was just like the best combination of textures and flavors. And you really didn't need to add butter, but of course I did. And then everything else that I had was so good at that breakfast. I ordered scrambled egg whites, sauteed spinach, Uh, It came with either sausage or bacon. I got sausage and then the potatoes were really good. It's like they had some kind of savory glaze or gravy on them. Oh my God. It was truly the best breakfast ever. And the second day on Sunday, I got blueberry pancakes. So many blueberries. It was so delicious. Really cannot recommend the breakfast there enough. I did hear that Ludie's is opening brunch. I think in a couple days, uh, June 18th or 17th. So 
keep that in mind. If you're in Austin and not staying at the Commodore Perry, you can still go for brunch at Ludie's. So that's cool. I would recommend it if you want to get their breakfast. It is so delicious. Anyway, I'm jumping all over the place, but Friday night, Natalie and I went to Ludie's, which is the restaurant on the property, and it's so delicious. I've been before, and then we called it a night after that, which sounds probably pretty boring to everybody, but you guys know I like to go to bed early. She has two kids at home and was like very excited to have a night all to herself to relax and watch TV and go to sleep and just be undisturbed. So that was the perfect Friday for us. And then Saturday, we she slept in. I kept waking up so early. It was very annoying to me. But I, <laughs> I had breakfast and kind of waited for her to get up. Then she got up, had her breakfast, and then we went to walk on Town Lake with one of her friends who lives there. And she came back with us to hang by the pool afterwards. We had lunch. We just hung out and had frosé. It was awesome. And then I think I went back to my room at like four to start getting ready. We decided to meet up for a drink at the Austin Proper, which I had never been to before. And it's kind of a fun bar. It's a hotel. There are also residences. I'd never been over there, but it definitely feels like a young, fun place to be. So next time I go to Austin, I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket if I'm meeting up with friends. Because, you know, whenever I visit Austin, I'm mostly just staying with my mom and stepdad at their house. And while we go to eat, we're not like doing all the young, fun stuff. (laughs) We're like going to tried and true restaurants that we love and comfort food and just that kind of thing. So that's good to know. We had a drink there and then we went over to Sammy's Italian for dinner, which I'd been to once before and the food is good. It's not the best Italian I've ever had, but you kind of go there for the vibe. We definitely had a great time. And then after that, we were sort of on the fence about what to do. Should we go back to the hotel? Should we go for another drink? And I, we were so close to going home. We were on the cusp of getting an Uber and... Natalie's friend from Austin, Nancy, suggested we hop into Dirty Bills, which I had never been in, but it was right next to Jay Carver's, which is the restaurant my sister had her rehearsal dinner at. And we popped over there to see if we could get a drink because we were all dressed really, really well by Austin standards. Anyway, I was wearing a sequin caftan. They were both in dresses and heels. So we thought Jay Carver's would be a great place to get a drink, but they were all booked up. And next door is Dirty Bills. And it was fairly early. I feel like we got there at like 930, but there were quite a few people there already. And I had never been before. And it was one of the more fun times that I've had at Austin as an adult. We were probably there for like an hour and a half, two hours. And they have a DJ that plays like 80s, 90s, early 2000s hits. And the TVs sync up with the music to play music videos. It was so fucking fun. We were dancing next to the bar the entire time. Like the next day, my abs hurt from dancing. It was, it was the best time. Like that's another place I'm going to keep in my back pocket for if I'm craving a night out when I'm in Austin, I am going there. That was, that was so fun. And then Sunday morning, we didn't do anything. She slept in. We both kind of (laughs) kept to our own rooms, watching Harry Potter, ordering room service. And then we had late checkout. So we ended up checking out at like 1245. And before we hit the road back to Dallas, we stopped at Tiny Boxwoods, which Natalie had not been to before. And I thought I needed to introduce her to it, at least the baked goods. The chocolate chip cookies are incredible. Love the cinnamon rolls. Love everything they do. And we had a great brunch. We both got sandwiches. I got this ham, egg and cheese sandwich, kind of breakfasty. She got a turkey club. Both came with sweet potato fries. Their sweet potato fries are absolutely incredible. So delicious. And then we each left with some baked goods. So that turned out really well. Our (laughs) drive back to Dallas was fairly easy. There was quite a bit of traffic, but we got back in a decent amount of time. Like I don't think it delayed us too much. And then after that, I was pooped. I was so, before we even got in the car, I was ready to get in bed. I was so tired and just like ready to be in my own bed. Anyway, I got home and I forgot, I forgot that my sister and her husband were coming to Dallas. He had to work there for a few days and she was going to come with him because whenever, whenever she can go to another Neiman's, she wants to go and take photos of things for her own Instagram. My sister is a Neiman's sales associate in Austin. And so she'll, whenever we're traveling, like when we go to San Diego, she'll go to the Neiman's there. She'll drive to other Neiman's 
just to get content. And so she decided to come up and join him since he was coming to Dallas and they stayed with me. And luckily they did not need any entertaining. (laughs) I could go straight to bed on Sunday night. We did hang out for a little bit Monday night, but they were kind of in and out and ready to go to bed when they got home. So uh, worked out for me. And then this week has been kind of low key. I've just been, you know, I've actually had a headache the last three days. It's been very subtle, but like, uh, like it kind of intensifies at night right before I go to bed and I still have it the next morning by midday. It usually kind of wears off and then it gets bad again right before I go to bed. I don't know what it is, if it's the weather or the air quality. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. Sinuses. I'm not really somebody who gets allergies. I don't know what it is. It's just been this like low grade weird headache the last few days. And so I just haven't had much energy to do anything social. I did host game night Tuesday night and that was fun to catch up with my friends. But other than that, I also haven't been very active, like physically active. I'm normally somebody who works out 30 minutes to an hour, like Monday through Friday, and I've gotten workouts in, but they've been short and not super intense. I just haven't been feeling great. Like earlier this week, the second you stepped outside, you felt like you were walking into a wall of steam. Like it has just been so humid and so fucking hot over the last like three or four days. I really like I haven't taken Reese's for a walk because it's been so hot. She's been getting on the treadmill upstairs. It just was miserable. And I'm thinking that's why my head has been kind of weird this last week. But I'm just feeling kind of like a sloth. Like I need to get back into my routine and I don't know. I've just kind of been in a weird, funky space this week. Ooh, one more thing I forgot to tell you about, though, is earlier this week, I went to Joanna Check, which is a facial esthetician place, skincare place in Dallas, and got their cryofacial. It's a special they're doing right now. It's a special treatment they're doing from June to September. So it's a limited time only. It's a 45-minute facial, and it starts with a pretty long massage. I feel like she massaged my face for 15, 20 minutes. That was awesome. And then a lot of like cooling treatments on your face. You get masks, you get air. I don't know what else. There was like a hydrofacial element to it. It felt really good, but also my skin has looked incredible this week. It's just looked very clear and the texture has been really nice. So can't recommend that enough, especially if you're wanting to dip your toe into Joanna Check. Her prices can be a little scary. (laughs) Like... The 90 minute facial that I've gotten a couple of times is like $650. I think this one was like $250. So if you want to give Joanna Check a shot and you don't want to spend that much money, I mean, $250 is still expensive, but at least you could give it a go and see if you like how they do things. Check that out. You can do it in New York, I think in LA and in Dallas. There's probably another location I'm forgetting about, but go to joannacheck.com to check that out. All right, now let's get into this week's recs and reviews. All right, the first thing that I watched this last week was Single Drunk Female. This was a recommendation from one of my friends. And there are two seasons on Hulu. And it stars the girl who played Serena's boyfriend's daughter in one of the final seasons. It might have been the final season of Gossip Girl. And she plays a young woman who is an alcoholic who kind of hits rock bottom. She loses her job. She's in a lawsuit with her former employer. She has to move home with her mom. She wrecks her mom's car. And basically the show follows her as she's in recovery from alcoholism. And it's showing the ups and downs of that and relationships and going to meetings and having a sponsor. And from what I understand, it's a pretty realistic depiction of that. I'm really enjoying it. It's obviously kind of dark sometimes it can be really heavy but it's also really funny and quirky and cool like I think the writing on the show is great I think the acting is phenomenal it is sort of a younger cast but it it feels very much like adult content and I think this show could be really helpful to anyone who is going through that but also somebody who knows someone who's going through that like if you have a friend or a family member struggling with these issues it could be really helpful to watch the show because I feel like they do a good job of kind of showing what not to do like if you're a parent like how not to talk to your kid about it or how to approach it in a sensitive supportive way versus like blaming shaming that kind of thing I just I found it really interesting and insightful and helpful and it just helps you frame and understand it all a little bit better. 
So definitely give Single Drunk Female a try on Hulu. Obviously, this goes without saying, but if you or anybody you know is triggered by this kind of content about addiction, drug or alcohol abuse, that kind of thing, um, maybe steer clear of it. But it really is good. And I really enjoyed it. And then the next thing I watched was the final season, the fourth season of Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Mindy Kaling created and wrote this show. It is such a good show. It is hilarious. So relatable, even though it's like teenagers in present day. So many of the things that Davy goes through are relatable, to, especially to me, because she loses her dad uh, in the first season, and she's basically getting over that and trying to come to terms with that, as well as tackling things in high school, relationships, schoolwork, that kind of thing, family. Uh, I just found it really relatable. I love the discussion of mental health and the fact that she sees a therapist on the show. It's just really, really great. It's a great show, amazing writing, hilarious, but also very meaningful content. And I think it's sort of a crowd pleaser for any age, I think. I don't know if my mom would enjoy it, but I... I I just love it. I think it's such a great show. So definitely watch it. I thought the final season was just as good as the others. And I think it's a great idea for writers to end shows before they get bad. And I think this was a good example of that, that they did four amazing seasons, didn't push it further than that, and just closed it out with a nice red bow. And then finally, yesterday, (laughs) the Black Mirror season six came out and I watched, I think I watched all of the episodes. I might I might have a couple left, but I watched at least four episodes because I started watching at like five o'clock. Some are definitely better than others. The first two were my favorite, I think. There was one with like a very supernatural element that I really didn't like. (laughs) I thought that was really stupid, but the other ones were really great. The one with Josh Hartnett and the guy from Breaking Bad, and I think it's Kate Mara, could be Rudy Mara. No, it's Kate Mara. That one is so intense. It is so dark. It is such a mind fuck. Um, It was so good. The acting was incredible. The storyline was just amazing. Like I, I really... If you watched any of them, watch that one. It's called Beyond the Sea. Black Mirror, if you've never watched it, it's sort of like playing on the technologies of today and showing the situations where it could go wrong. So they've done episodes having to do with social media, having to do with like reviewing and rating things online, AI. Uh, I mean, so many, so many different scenarios, but it's just a really clever show. It's scary. A lot of the episodes are scary, but each episode is an entirely new cast, an entirely new story talking about different technology. And anyway, it's just a really interesting show. Check out Black Mirror on Netflix. Now let's take a break and hear a word from this week's sponsors. hot out, effortless dressing is a must. Breezy dresses, easy tees, and other lightweight looks that require zero effort to style. That's what Jenny Kane is known for. A few new arrivals for summer I've been loving are the day dress, the Chloe cardigan, and the pleated short. The day dress is a chic and put together look, but it's also relaxed and comfortable for casual everyday wear. It's a blank canvas you can style so many different ways. If you love a nautical navy and white stripe, the Chloe cardigan is the perfect added layer for cooler nights or for flights this summer. Finally, the pleated short is such an elevated staple you'll want to wear every single day this summer. Jenny Kane believes in the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design so you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. They also have a stunning collection of home essentials, timeless furniture pieces, cozy throws, perfectly curated decor, and the most incredible candles. Definitely don't miss that section of the website when you're shopping around. Find your forever pieces at Jenny Kane and get 15% off with promo code beck and call. Visit JennyKane.com slash beck and call and use code beck and call to get 15% off your order. I could complain all day about my health insurance as a self-employed person, but one thing that's really irked me over the years is that they make it so hard to find a physician. I've used the search tool within my insurance company's website before and have either ended up at the wrong kind of doctor, a concierge doctor, for example, or I've been forced to spend a bunch of extra time Googling the doctors on their list to see if it's the right fit for what I need. When I first heard of ZocDoc, I just knew it was going to solve all of my problems in that department. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, 
take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more wasting time in Google search results, pouring through reviews, or waiting on hold to see if you'll be able to score an appointment with the right doctor. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com slash beck and call and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash beck and call. ZocDoc.com slash beck and call. It's been an awful long time since I've done a Q&A on here or on my Instagram. So I figured let's do that this week. I pulled Instagram for these questions. So thank you for submitting one if you did. But let's get into the first one. So the first question is, did we miss the announcement about Liza leaving? Are you looking for someone new? Yes. So this is something that I've shared on the podcast. So if you didn't listen to any of the episodes in May, you might have missed it. Uh, So I did talk about it here. I didn't really blasted on social media because that felt weird. (laughs) I don't know to just like promote that. I did mention it on the blog too. So anyway, if you weren't paying attention to those things, you would have missed this announcement and like the reason for her departure. But she and I are still on great terms. We've been texting and DMing and everything is great. She worked for me for four years. She was an amazing employee. I absolutely loved having her on my team, but I think we were both just ready for a change. I mean, that's totally normal four years in to want for on her side to want to do something different. And then for me, you know, before the pandemic, I've talked about this before, but I was very mobile. I was traveling. I stayed in London for five months. I, you know, could work from anywhere. I mean, that's one of the amazing parts about this job is that I have the ability to work from anywhere. I can go to Austin for three weeks if I want. I could, like I'm doing this fall, go to New York for five weeks. Like I have that ability. And when you have a full-time employee come to your house every day, you kind of feel obligated to be here. And while that's amazing for getting work done at the computer, I just feel like, you know, part of the reason why people really enjoyed following my content is because I was traveling a lot and doing fun things more often. And when you're stuck behind a computer, you're not doing much of that. And so what I'm looking forward to about not having a full-time employee is just simply being more mobile again, having a little more freedom with my schedule, but then also not having the financial burden of a full-time employee. I was paying her a full-time salary. And while that's amazing, if you're getting a return on the investment and you're seeing a lot of growth and all of that, that wasn't really the case. And so, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a full-time employee if you're not seeing that return. So with that said, I will not be hiring a new full-time employee, but I will be outsourcing a few things like photography and photo editing. I will not be doing anymore. I've hired a local photographer who is helping me with that stuff here. I also hire photographers whenever I travel. So whenever I go to a new location, I'll shoot there with someone. So that will take that work off my plate. And then I am in touch with somebody freelance who's going to be helping me with my newsletter and some other little things here and there, but nothing super intense. It's just going to be some light work, maybe a few hours a week. I really think I've got a handle on everything now. I've in the last couple of years really streamlined my business in terms of my blog and Instagram content and LTK content and have figured out a good rhythm. And I just don't think I need anyone full time anymore. So I'm looking forward to exploring that and seeing how that all works for me over the next six months or so. But um, I'm just excited for this next chapter to have a little more freedom, a little more flexibility to travel and kind of get back to what I was doing before. And yeah, with all of that said, I am so grateful to Liza for her work the last four years. She was such a great part of the team and I loved working with her. I'm so glad we became friends and just wish her all the success and happiness. She's truly so great. And I love having her as a friend and I'm glad that we were able to part ways in a way that maintained that friendship. So really happy for her. I'm happy for me (laughs) and I'm excited to see what's next for both of us. All right, moving on to the next question. Can you share more about your New York City stay in the fall? How did it come to be? Where and when are you going? So excited for you. I'm excited for me too. (laughs) I'm so excited for me. So if you recall, I went to New York in April and it was my first trip back since 2021. I did not go the last couple years, but every time I go, I have the best time. It is so invigorating. Like I always come back feeling very creative and inspired and 
alive. Like it's just one of those cities that gives you a rush. And I love being there. I've never considered moving there. I don't think I will. But part of me has always wanted to rent an apartment there, like a second home, if you will. Now, I'm not ready to make a commitment like that. Like I said, I just I'm just figuring out my new flexibility without having a full time employee. No, I don't have the financial burden of having an employee. So that's definitely possible. I could run an apartment there now because I have a little bit more financial freedom. But I I certainly don't want to do that without you know, exploring my options. And first of all, I just want to go and like spend more time there. Bottom line, that's all I want to do. And I thought the best way to do that would be some kind of short-term rental. I don't want to stay for six months. I don't want to like commit to uh, an apartment yet, but I did want to spend more time there. And so I was trying to investigate. I I texted a few friends that live there. I asked about, should I go through a realtor? What their suggestions were. And several of them mentioned Blue Ground, which is a long-term, well, it's kind of short to long-term rentals. It is not like Airbnb where you can stay somewhere one night. On Blue Ground, you have to stay a minimum of 31 days. So you're practically moving to this place. It's not just like a you stay for a weekend or whatever. And so I looked on there It is very expensive to do this, but it made more sense than like renting an apartment for a year. It's obviously cheaper than doing that because these are like fully furnished apartments. You get Wi-Fi. Most of them have a dishwasher, washer dryer. My apartment doesn't have a doorman or anything, but it's got like everything I need to move in, (laughs) move in ready. (laughs) It's got all the furniture. It's very well decorated, all of that stuff. It's in a location that I'm excited to be in and Basically, I'm just going to take Reese's up, my dog, and we're going to hang out there for five weeks and really kind of see what it's like to be there more than just a long weekend. I think the longest I've stayed there was like a week and a half, two weeks. I did that when Airbnb was a really big thing. I want to say this was in 2017 and it was so much fun. I had the best time. I stayed in West Village and while I'd love to do that again, Airbnb is sort of outlawed in the city. It's really hard to find a good place on Airbnb. And I'd be worried about getting kicked out since it's sort of like not above board or whatever. Um, and blue ground is because it's longer term rentals. I guess there's, you know, not as much of an issue with those, but anyway, so I rented an apartment on blue ground and I will be up there for about five weeks. I'm not going to give you the exact dates because you know, security, (laughs) but you'll see, you'll see when I'm there, but I'm really excited to take Reese's with me and just kind of get a feel for what it's like to live there. I, like I said before, I'm not planning to move there. I have no intention of moving there. I don't ever see myself moving there, but like, if I love it enough, maybe one day I'll have an apartment there that I can visit throughout the year. That's, that's sort of the end goal I'm thinking, but you know, we're starting small here, folks. I'm just going for a few weeks to see what it's like, have fun, um, experience another city in the fall. I love New York that time of year. It's absolutely beautiful. Texas is still hot in October, so it'll be a really nice break for us to really feel the fall season a little early. And I'm just really, really excited. And I'm sure I'll share more on Instagram and all of that later on. So stay tuned for that. But if you're interested in a long-term rental like that, like if you work for yourself or if you work remote and you have the ability to do this, they, a Blueground has places in so many cities. They have Homes in Austin and L.A. and Seattle and Chicago. They have them in London and Paris and other places abroad. So it's definitely worth looking into if you want to spend a summer abroad, for example. You want to go somewhere for a few months. It's really great because they do background checks. So you know that they are really investigating who's staying there. They want to know that it's going to be a safe situation. Like I said, they have all of the amenities that you're going to need. Now, the only thing that my the only thing that this place does not have is like a gym, but I, you know, I can do the Sculpt Society anywhere. So I'm not worried about that. And of course, New York has a bunch of amazing boutique fitness locations. So I'm sure I'll be fine. But I mean, it's truly, they've got everything you need accommodation wise. All of the apartments are really well furnished. Like I said, very stylish, unlike many Airbnbs. Um, You can count on them to be like well-decorated, modern bathrooms, modern kitchens. 
and they have a variety of sizes to choose from. I chose one of the smaller units. It was like 500 square feet, but they also have like three, four bedroom houses you can rent. Like it's a wide variety of options. And obviously they're going to look different and be different depending on what part of the city you're in or where in the world you go. But um, mine is just a quaint little place in the West Village. I'm very excited about it. And, you know, it'll be a new adventure. Okay, moving on to the next one. I've gotten a few questions about what my update is for my backyard and the various animals that keep inhabiting it, like the feral cats in my neighborhood and the evil squirrels in my neighborhood. And somebody asked, have you found a way to keep the animals out of your backyard? No, I have not. I've tried everything. I have tried pellets. I've tried granules. I've tried box pee. I've tried it all. I've had my yard guy install these kind of mesh wire things below my fence so the cats can't dig under the fence. They still climb the fence, which is a little harder for them, but they still are able to get in. It's very annoying, truthfully. I didn't notice them that much in the winter. Maybe they just like snuggle up in the winter, but in the summer, they find shade in my backyard because of all the plants and trees and it's cooler on the, um, the mulch, I guess, in my backyard. I don't know. Uh, I can't get rid of them. I don't know what to do. I did order these spike things that I could put at the top of my fence that makes it harder for squirrels and cats to like walk along the fence to get into my backyard, which I'm very tempted to install. I did order them. I ordered them last summer and then never got around to doing it, but starting to get irritated again. So I might be doing that fairly soon. Now, I haven't had any issues with squirrels lately in terms of them like ruining my plants or my irrigation, because last year, if you recall, I had the irrigation system, which was a drip irrigation replaced with sprinklers, which seemed to have done the trick. They they don't go after the sprinklers like they did the PVC tubes or whatever. So that solved that problem. I don't think my plants are at risk of dying this time, but This is gross. I'm going to tell you anyway. I did discover a dead squirrel in my backyard a couple weeks ago. I don't know how it died. I don't know how it got there, but it was nasty. And I, the only reason I knew is because Reese started going crazy. She was smelling something that I wasn't. And we walked over there and I luckily had her on a leash. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't because it was like I I would have thrown up or something because there were maggots all over this squirrel. If she had been able to get close enough, like, oh, I can't even imagine. But anyway, I let it just do its thing for a little while. And then I eventually got it with a pair of kitchen tongs that I eventually threw away and put it in a trash bag when trash day was happening. So that was my latest squirrel saga. I did not share that on Instagram to spare you, but that was gross. And now we're just dealing with the cats again. The squirrel problem is kind of not existent anymore now that I have the sprinklers, but the cats are still annoying. If you could only buy makeup from one brand and clothes from one brand, what would they be? This is so hard. Um, makeup. Oh my God. Literally I'm thinking about my like makeup routine. It's all different products, but I do love NARS. I feel like I have a lot of NARS, So maybe I'd go with that. I mean, truly every single thing in my makeup routine is a different brand. I've got Armani foundation, NARS concealer, NARS blush. So two NARS things, Laura Mercier powder, different eye palettes that I use every time for eyeshadow. Let's see. Dior primer, CoverGirl mascara, (laughs) Hoola benefit bronzer. I mean, they're truly all different brands. So it's really, really hard to narrow down, but I would say I probably have the most from NARS. I have a lot of their eyeshadows. I use one of their shadows for my eyebrow, you know, filling in. I love their lipsticks. I just, I love their products. I love the branding. I love all of it. I feel like this question depends on what time of year it is because I wear such different clothes in the winter and in the summer. Like in the summer, I'm in sundresses almost exclusively, And in fall, winter, I'm in like neutral basics. I I just, you know, I dress for, I dress for my mood and for the time of year. So for the summer, I'd probably say Zimmerman. I absolutely love their dresses and their blouses and their short and shirt sets. Their matching sets are adorable. They have great accessories now. I just love Zimmerman. It's like one of my very, very all-time favorite brands. And then in the winter, 
I don't know. I've really been loving Totem lately. If that's how you say it, some people say Totem, but it's the brand by Elon Kling, I believe. And I just love all of the sleek modern neutrals that she does. They're really, really beautiful. They're very well crafted, very high quality. The fit is great. I just think all of her pieces are so chic right now. Okay. Moving on to the next question. How are you so productive? Help. So I definitely think the reason I'm productive is due in part to, I've been doing this for 12 years and it's, I've obviously had a lot of time to hone in on my environment and figuring out how that affects my productivity and what works best for me there, my schedule. Like if I work on certain things, a certain time of day, am I going to be more productive than doing them another time of day? The best way to set up my calendar and my content planning and all of that. Like it's, it's taken a while. Sure. But because I've had 12 years of doing it, I figured out how to streamline and really hone in on the right way to set it all up for me. I'm not somebody who like does to-do lists really. I use my calendar a lot. I do have an editorial calendar, but truthfully, I don't look at it that often anymore because unless I have sponsored content, I'm posting on the blog like three days a week and then I'm just posting on social. And I post on social mostly in real time unless I have a lot of content that I need to schedule out. And so it's kind of nice having that freedom, not feeling like I have to adhere to anything. But as far as like being productive, it really came down to figuring out my environment. So I cannot work in a coffee shop. I cannot work with people talking around me. I can't have background noise going on. If it's something that requires my full and undivided attention, like writing a blog post, responding to an email, working with numbers in any way, like if I'm doing any accounting, I have to have complete silence, no distractions. So that was key. That was a key thing for me to figure out early on. I also have realized that I am better focused in the morning. So if I'm going to be doing something that is generally harder for me to focus on, I try and knock that out first thing in the morning, finish it early. Like even I'll even like sit at my computer for 30 minutes just to do that before I get a workout in, before I walk with Reese's sometimes. If it's something that's really important and it needs my undivided attention, doing it right after I have coffee or just like when I have energy in the morning is the best time for me to do that. And then I'll focus on things like collages later in the day that require a little less of my brain power. I can do those while listening to podcasts. And then, you know, over the years I've toyed with a variety of like content management tools, calendars, to-do lists. I'm not a plant. Like I don't have a planner. I don't have a to-do list. The thing that really has helped me is by blocking things on my calendar, like working on the summer capsule. I'll block like three hours, uh, several days a week, the week that I'm working on that. Or like for recording the podcast, I block out three hours on Thursday or Friday each week to make sure that that does not get taken up by anything else, that that is dedicated time for recording the podcast. So I'm very deliberate about that. But in terms of how to make yourself more productive, I really think it comes down to kind of examining how you're currently working and what isn't working for you. So if that's your environment, you may need to switch things up. Maybe stop working at a coffee shop if you get distracted easily and want to talk to people. That's not going to make you productive if you're constantly like looking over to see what somebody's doing. I'm more productive when I'm at home and alone. Or perhaps like me, you're more productive first thing in the morning. So make sure that you schedule your meetings for the afternoon so that you have uninterrupted time in the morning to focus on the things that are most important. Meetings obviously don't require a ton of brain power aside from conversation. And so those I think are better, better set for late afternoon when your brain doesn't need to be fully focused and engaged on something like math or writing or reading or whatever you do for a living. So my advice would be to, while you're working over the next few days, examine what your processes are, how you're scheduling your day, what you find to be really helping you and things that are distracting you, and maybe just moving things around, trying things in a different way, trying things at a different time of day, you know, moving your environment, just mixing it up and then kind of adjust from there. Now, I do have to acknowledge that I have a job that I find fairly fun. I really enjoy what I do. And so I will say I would probably be less productive if I wasn't enjoying it. I know it's harder to concentrate and focus on stuff when it's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> not fun work. So I have to acknowledge that, that I really do enjoy my job and I'm passionate about it. And so that definitely helps with productivity. All right, moving on to the next question. Do you ever get stressed spending a lot of money on clothes? How do you decide what you should keep versus return? So yes and no, but mostly no, because it's part of my job. Shopping is part of my job because I am finding new things to talk about and share with you, reviewing stuff, all of that. And so I am constantly buying and returning. It honestly doesn't even make sense for me to review or look at my credit card statements because every week I am buying something new or I'm returning something and the number just is constantly fluctuating. And so I try not to worry about it. What I try to do though, when I'm doing try on hauls, I think it's important to know this and acknowledge this because I don't think a lot of influencers do, but when I'm trying on clothes for you, I'm definitely not keeping all of them. And I feel like I'm pretty clear about that when I'm trying them on, on Instagram stories, like I'll be like, this is too short for me. I'm going to return it. Or, you know, I love, I love the fabric, but it just doesn't look good on me or whatever, whatever the reason I will share what I don't like about the product and rest assured if I don't like it, I'm not keeping it. Like I'll tell you when I'm keeping stuff. I do try-ons a lot because I'm ordering stuff a lot, but that does not mean I'm keeping everything. So you might have a false sense of the amount of stuff I'm buying, but surely, yes, because it is my job, I am buying a lot of stuff, but it's probably not as much as you think. Now, in terms of what I keep and how I decide to keep versus return, it all comes down to fit. I generally don't have to tailor things. I feel like I have a pretty average body type. Aside from the fact that I'm tall, I'm 5'9". So if I order a mini dress, many chances are it's going to be too short on me, especially if it's a fast fashion brand. But generally, I don't have to work that hard to find clothes that fit. And so if the fit is wrong, I will probably send it back just because I can usually find something else that'll fit me a lot better without having to tailor it. Now, there are exceptions. If there's something that is absolutely fabulous that I must have that needs to be taken in in a certain area or just needs to be adjusted, I will do that. But generally for just like everyday clothes, if the fit is off, it's going back. Another thing, if it's not comfortable, it's going back. I'm not going to keep something that has scratchy fabric. You will never know me to keep a scratchy sweater. I want the clothes that I wear to be comfortable. I want them to be high quality. So if something feels cheap, it's going back. Like I really don't like polyester if I can avoid it, mostly because I feel like it really contains, retains heat. And in Texas, that is just not an option. (laughs) You need breathable fabric. So anyway, I usually look at fit, quality, and comfort. Those are the things that are the most important to me when keeping or returning clothes. So just keep those things in mind when you're trying stuff on. Is it something that you will feel comfortable and confident in? Is it something that fits your body well? Or if you tailor it, will it fit your body well? And is it something that's going to last? Those are the things that are the most important. All right, moving on. Let's see. I've been loving the updates on your diet changes you've made this year. Are you still doing the same things? So as you guys know, earlier this year, I was really doing a reset. I did dry January. I did dry February. I really made an effort to cut out all refined sugars, refined carbs. I really wanted to eat uh, more protein, vegetables, and fruit primarily. And I've done a very good job of that, but... I went to Argentina for two weeks, Brazil and Argentina, and got a little off kilter there. I was not intermittent fasting there. I was eating three meals a day. I was eating bread. I was drinking and yeah, just, you know, enjoying the trip. And I have no regrets about that. But I will say after that trip, it's been harder to get back into the swing of things health wise. I'm still eating protein and vegetables for lunch and dinner. I'm not eating breakfast, although I did when I was at the Commodore Perry But, um, and I'm also not drinking unless I'm out and socializing, but I have been eating more sugar than I was before Argentina. So I need to cut that out, but you know, I'm not putting too much pressure on myself as long as I'm being healthy everywhere else. It's okay. If I have some ice cream, (laughs) it's hot here. And you know, this is on par with my past with food. I always do this on trips. I usually overindulge and then have a little bit of trouble getting back into the swing of things when I'm home. 
but that's okay. That's life. And I am going to enjoy my trip. I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm going to be in California for two weeks and I'm going to do my best to eat healthy and work out, but I'm not going to kill myself over it. So that's my philosophy and I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'm going to answer a couple more questions, but there's still so many that I haven't gotten to. I didn't realize how long it would take me to answer each question. So I'll be sure to do another Q&A next week just to wrap it up. We'll get uh, the two summer Q&As out of the way. But here are the last two questions. Okay, where are you with alcohol right now? So after doing dry January and dry February, I did decide to pick up social drinking again. And it really is just that. Like I'm really only doing it around other people. And I probably don't make social plans more than like two or three times a week. So it might be like a dinner on Thursday, brunch on Saturday, dinner on Saturday, something like that. And I'll probably drink at those times, but I never drink at home. I never drink when I'm like alone or anything like that. It's usually when I'm just going out to eat with my friends, going out with my friends, whether it's brunch or dinner or whatever, just a couple times a week. I drink a lot in Argentina just because we were drinking every day at lunch and dinner, but at home, I definitely don't drink that much. And I feel like I've done a really good job of moderating. I used to not be that great at it, but Compared to like two years ago, it's like a night and day difference. Like I just, I just know that I can't have more than three drinks at a time. So I've been doing a lot better with that and I'm proud of myself. All right. One last question for today. Are you still considering moving to Austin? Yes. So this is something that I am definitely considering not anytime soon. If I do it, it would be in like two years probably. But I always saw myself moving back there, whether I was going to have kids and get married or not. I just always thought I would end up in Austin. I stay in Dallas because I have an amazing group of friends here and I would be very sad to leave them. But you know, I don't feel tied to Dallas. I feel tied to my friends. Um, obviously Dallas has great restaurants and great shopping. My friends are here, but then my family's in Austin and I do love Austin. I love visiting. Um, but I feel like I'd need to really try out Austin for size as an adult. I've never lived there as an adult. I feel like I'd need to move down there for a few weeks to see what it's actually like outside of like a weekend trip or the holidays. So I feel like I would need to do that before making a decision because that is a big move. But yeah, that's something I'm still really considering. I mean, my family's there. My mom and Morris are getting older. I just have found myself wanting to spend more time with them and my sister. So that's definitely on the table. Now, every time I go to Austin and look at the real estate, I'm just like, dumbfounded by it because not only is it ridiculously expensive, I find most of the homes incredibly ugly. I just think, (laughs) I think the housing market there is not great. I don't know if it's just like availability, but I do think a lot of the homes in Austin have a particular look. I definitely prefer the Dallas look of like painted brick over like a carpenter style or modern house. I feel like all Austin homes, at least new Austin homes have a lot of the same look to them. And so I think it will be a challenge finding something that I will think is attractive unless I want to build something myself, which isn't off the table, but I feel like that's just so much more work. So anyway, yes, Austin is on the table. I'm not sure when it would happen. It wouldn't be for a while if I do decide to do that, but yes, it is definitely on the table. That's it for this week's episode. Check back next week for another roundup of questions and answers. And if you want more content from me, you can follow along on Instagram at Merit Beck and at Beck and Call Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider giving Beck and Call a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.